And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Karen Steckley. With me, as always, a man who has never been to Berlin, but is riding takes my breath away. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. The Tigers, Kieran, have an uncanny knack for winning on Sundays. They've won the last three Sundays in a row, making these therapy sessions a lot easier than they could be. Uh, you know, you get all ready to vent. You have all these thoughts throughout the week. You watch like a 8-1 loss on Saturday. I'm thinking of all this stuff I'm going to say on the pod. And then they come out and they, they play a pretty good game on Sunday. And it's like, all right, like I guess we'll be you know a little more positive. It's happened three weeks in a row. Kind of crazy. Yeah, well, it's crazy. I'm not necessarily sure it's good. Like in terms of like how we it's like not. assess things, you know. <laughs> like uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's not like it's making me glowingly positive, but like right. a little. If we would have done this Saturday, it would have been, it would have been yeah. bad. Well, because like perfect example is. Uh, is Jammer Candelario, who's, who, you know, can't hit for squat and comes in unexpectedly, hits a home run. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to have the Jammer conversation and, like, it would just be different if we did it yesterday. Now, like, it today, it, it, it would feel kind of... It would feel kind of mean, you know, the guy technically hits the game-winning home run <laughs> and then it's like, this guy sucks, he shouldn't be in the lineup. You know, that'd be... That 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 just be a that, that just that's just a weird vibe all around. Um, and, but speaking of vibes, we'll get into Jamer a little bit more in a second. And by the way, wife's mowing the lawn, and so you can hear uh, my guy Merle probably barking. Uh, he's obviously wishes he could be in the backyard too, but had just put down some pesticides, so he can't be out there for a while. Anywho, so that would be the noise. I, I like the humble brag about how progressive your marriage is. That's cool. Uh, I do that. I do that quite a lot, actually. Very progressive. Uh, very progressive marriage over here. So, um, uh, you know, I was I was talking to uh, to one of uh, one of our listeners. Uh, shout out Brad Johnson, and we were you know just talking Tigers a little bit. And I was like, dude, every single time the Tigers win, I feel good. Like I feel good about like the way like the way that they win. It kind of fits a similar pattern. You have a really strong bullpen. You got a lot of different arms that come up big in a lot of situations. You know, with these games being so close, it often you know involves clutch hitting. A lot of a lot of guys like Harold Castro, you know, hitting two home runs. You know, earlier this week, those kind of things. Uh, it seems like AJ Hinch, Puppet Master, has been able to you know, make the right call over and over again. Look at look at the guys that they got on the mound right now. It's hard not to think. Thank God for Chris Fetter. You know, like, there's all these things. It kind of reminds me of last year's Tigers, which is a different vibe because it wasn't supposed to be like last year's Tigers. Now, obviously, injuries, all that, all that stuff is a contributing factor. But uh, the problem is there's, there's no blowout wins so so far this year they've only scored double digit runs once they did it nine times last year and that's the sign of a good team is that you get those offensive explosions and you also win the games that they're winning right now so to me that's like the gap is like you got to be able to have those kinds of games not necessarily consistent basis but you know what i mean you got got to be able to win those ways and so as much of like last year the majority of it was like feel good it it's not really feel good if it's still that same vibe in 2022 and so because it, it wasn't supposed to be this way so th- that's a long statement to say it, it feels good to win to the games that they're you know to see them win the kinds of games that they're winning but it's also part of the problem <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, I mean, it. on the days they win, it, it feels pretty good. Problem is they don't win that often, and when they do, you're right. It feel, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, the scrappy victories. I think even no, it's fun. in the world that, like, for if this team ever could have been a playoff team, it still would have been punching above its weight, having to win games like this. Um, instead of it being that best-case scenario, everything has been worst-case scenario. 
I was I was about to write uh, for Monday, like, yeah, Riley Green's on his way back, but the Tigers can't peddle hope forever. Because the new narrative is like, oh, well, you know, Riley Green had an RBI single in Lakeland. Like, the future is still bright. And, look, Riley Green's amazing. He's going to be a great player. But we've been talking about next year, future, this prospect, that prospect, for years now. And it's kind of exhausting, and we should kind of be past that point. And we're not... And, um, you know, I had a story, uh, kind of my lead note for Tigers talk, ready to go. And then, you know, they won. And I was like, ah, no, maybe not. And then earlier in the week, I was going to hearken back to the, is it wrong to build around pitching? Because guess what? Matt Manning, he's not throwing right now. Uh, yes, he was hurt. Yes, the dehy- he didn't specifically address the dehydration, but pretty sure that was not super true. Uh, what a shocker there, right? Um, he's not throwing Casey Mize still not throwing might start trying to throw Monday, but we don't know much about his status. Even the team doesn't really know. It's one of those things where doctors have told him basically do nothing for however many weeks and then try to throw again. And so I guess we'll see what happens when he tries to throw again. And so here you go. Two of your three aren't throwing. Tarek Skubal has been great. He's been amazing. He was a ninth-round pick. These first-round arms you built the whole thing around aren't doing much, and your team can't score, and you could argue you feel worse about the number of established pieces you have than you did at the end of the year last year in terms of guys like Jamer, guys like Akil Badu, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then Tarek Skubal just like pitches another really good game, and it's like, ah, it's probably not the story to run like the day after that. But all these thoughts have been going on. You know, and and they're all certainly relevant, and that's why we're in this situation where now we're still like, well, there's some positive things about this team. Maybe in another year or two, it'll all, all come together. Problem is, this is the year it was supposed to at least somewhat come together, and now here we are. You know, glad the Tigers won two one against the Guardians on a Sunday. I think the word is resemble. I think it was supposed to resemble a team that was yeah like being like put together and it just doesn't uh it's hard I was just as you were going on there I was trying to think of uh what not young guy per se but what sort of has there been a leap of a position player this year like a progressive leap uh from being like this no, level guy to this level guy. I there have only I been regressions, right? Yeah. And I, unless I'm forgetting that, someone. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, Jamer, not scope. I know he's not a young guy, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, he, I guess if you're like a Willie Castro believer, which I would caution you because he's already cooled off quite a bit. Otherwise, nobody. Speaking of Willie Castro, I just have to get it off my chest here for a second. Uh, golly, is it uneasy watching him in left field? Uh, the uh, the line drive that he badly misread and th- on the announcers were like, oh, what an adjustment from Willie Castro. I was like, adjustment? Adjustment? Also, he was it the Saturday the game? He owes Daz Cameron a steak dinner because yes. he had no idea where a ball was Saturday. And Daz went basically all the way into, like, past left center into mm-hmm. <laughs> damn near left field and saved Willie Castro. Saved yeah, him. I- I told my wife, I was like, uh, that's not his play. <laughs> like, that, was, that was that was kind of the only way I could phrase it. And then I, I always harken back to what you're talking about with the low catch. Okay, that's uh, But you're point. not too progressive to mansplain sports to your wife. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, is it mansplaining if she asked for it? I don't know. Because uh, she, she's laughing. She doesn't follow the team like I do, so she doesn't know why it's so funny. So I just say, oh, that's why it's funny. Now, I, now, if I would have said, like, you know, the left fielder's in left field, or, you know, on the left side of the outfield, that would be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> I was like, that's not his play. Anywho. So, yeah, not that, not as progressive as I thought. Thanks, Cody. Um, <laughs> the, the uh, there were guys that we knew were candidates for regression, but it's, like, a, a whole different animal. But, like, a little negative talk here. Let's get some positive positivity in there. Um, there are two things that I liked this week a lot. One was, it was kind of fun to see Miggy do the strut 
after the the walk-off. That was fun. Baseball should be fun. That was fun. I did like that. And, speaking of Jamer, when he hit that home run, maybe, maybe it's just me, I don't know. When he hit that home run, I thought, he's... It's a little slow around the bases for this one. Uh, he he, he kind of did a tap 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 around second, I believe it was. Like it, it seemed a little slower, and he was you know hitting his chest, and you could tell that it was like him getting frustration out. Little emotion. That's what I you know I called for a couple weeks ago. Um, so I liked it. I liked it. I liked to see that. And and again, it can't be. Uh, overstated how uh, much you think you're gonna have a day off, and then you gotta get called in there because another guy gets hurt. Maybe, maybe everyone should think they're starting every day. Maybe that that's the real lesson. Um, but but yeah, so I I like I like to see that from Jamer. I still believe in Jamer. I'm I'm there's I I can sell stock on guys like I am capable of it. I still believe in Jamer. It's a really rough stretch though. I don't know. How many like entire episodes did we just devote to like how good is Jamer Candelario last year? Like yeah, probably three, you know. And I was finally like, you know what? He's he's good. We just have to admit he's good. And you're not gonna trade him and get anyone better to play third base. And now it's back to like, I think he's better than he's playing right now. But now I'm like, I guess he's probably some somewhere in between the Jamer we saw most of last year and this Jamer we're seeing now, which means he's a, I don't know, it probably means he's not in that top 10 tier of third baseman that we were hoping he could really firmly establish himself in, ranked I think ninth among third baseman in war WRC plus last year. Uh, so I was like, if he can replicate that, man, like if he does that two years in a row, then he's a top 10 third baseman. Um, obviously not performing at that level right now, which leaves me, and I think some people in the Tigers organization, kind of scratching their heads. You look at building the roster in the future. It's like, what do you, you know, Jamer has this year, next year on his contract. Uh, some people want him to start talking extension this past offseason. Probably a good thing that didn't happen, but now it's like, how do you go forward building your roster when you still don't know? Like, you can't really extend him if you're not confident in him. But at the same time, do you want to sign a third baseman next offseason? We're back in this spot with Jamer, and and that's unfortunate. I feel like he's going to heat up. I mean, he has the team lead in home runs. It's only five. It's not very good. <laughs> but in a way, you know, he's, he's still doing some things for you. His defense has been bad, too, though. That's another thing. His defense yeah. has been uncharacteristically bad. A.J. Hinch even said he thought that... One of those things where the lack of hitting just affects the all-around game. So I'm, my point is I'm trying not to reverse course from like when I finally decided, you know what, I believe in Jamer. But not that much strong, I can say about him, when he's hitting under 200. <laughs> yeah, well, you uh, he, he's certainly a replacement candidate, whereas coming into the year, uh, I would have put him in the a tier below pillar, like, you know, kind of have him as a third baseman and don't worry about it. But now, now we're in the replacement level, I would say. Uh, so th- this kind of relates, you know. So Harold Castro is on a tear right now. I don't know if anybody's noticed. Uh, and AJ was kind of like, you know, classic AJ post game. You know, don't worry, he's gonna be in the lineup. You know, blah blah. blah. Uh, so so my question is, and this is obviously something that he's having to examine is the Harold Castro conversation do you kind of keep the vibe where he like his success is probably a result of not having to play every day or do you kind of especially if Jammer's struggling Scope's struggling do you incorporate him in more to take advantage of this heat wave that he's on because I I see it both I, I I see both sides of the argument there especially when you have a lineup with six guys hitting under 200 and not producing i think you have to ride the hot hand that only gets you so far that gets you through five days a week (laughs) if harold castro were asked to play every day he probably would not still be on the roster um and that's not even trying to be mean it's just like 
Yeah. That's the type of player he is. Like, A.J. Hinch has done a beautiful job of putting Harold Castro in good spots, playing him just enough to get production out of him without overexposing him. Um, so I don't think you can do that the rest of the year. I think, yeah, Harold's kind of driving the ball right now. He's never going to be a, a true power hitter. Um, I would ride the hot hand and see how far it gets you. That's what AJ did with Willie Castro, and that's already kind of cooled off, but can't blame him for doing it when no one else is producing. So that's my take. I would continue to work Harold in the lineup here the next few days without any doubt. At whose expense, though? Does it matter? Well, the good thing is he can play multiple positions. Does he play any of them well? No, not really, but all right. Jamer just got an off day. Twerk's got an off day. Javi Baez could probably use an off day. He's uh, he's really fighting it right now. Um, you know, we'll see what Miggy's got some back tightness he's dealing with. Robbie Grossman's got a tight neck. Like, there might be ways to um, assemble the roster there where Harold gets in as DH or UDH, you know, DH Jamer and put Harold back in at third, something like that. That's I think you have options here the next, the next week plus. Yeah, and... Um... Since we're basically just doing a whole infield discussion right now, uh, the Jonathan Scope thing you wrote a, you you wrote about him this week, essentially being the poster child for this team, uh, and we were talking about good vibes last year. His was a great one with the extension. You cover this in your piece. If you're an athletic subscriber, you can go read it. My thoughts, questions that I kind of percolate in my mind are. Is Jonathan Scope, like, is he too much of an established veteran for AJ to, like, he 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 has to be more careful with Scope, or not necessarily careful, but he's got, he treats him different, he has to treat him differently than Jamer, it's kind of what I'm getting at, like, he's, he's done it, he's got too much of a track record to maybe bench him like you would a Candelario who doesn't have that track record, and in a way, Baez, like, obviously fits this mold, too, uh, with that contract. And it's a little bit different because, you know, six years. But my thought process is, like, does if you're a big league manager and he's one of the, you know, seemed like one of the more well-liked guys in that locker room, do you just kind of have to keep penciling him in there and, and hope, uh, hope, hope it corrects itself? Now, it is worth noting having him at second base is... Uh, it has done wonders for I think the overall makeup of the team defensively, but so he does have a lot of value there. But then that goes into discussion of how much his defense worth. Blah blah blah. I, I, th- I, I think, just think you think you got to treat him differently. That's my guess. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in treating anyone differently in terms of if they're in the lineup every day or not. Now, for all the fans who are like send scope to Toledo. Uh, and there were a bunch of people saying that earlier in the year. You can't do that because he does not have options. You would have to DFA Jonathan Scope, which would mean, yeah, mean uh, potentially losing him to another team and eating his entire contract. So there, th- this comes with limits, but I don't know. I think Scope has continued to hit the ball hard and have pretty good at-bats over the past couple True. of weeks. His expected stats are... Not amazing, but better than his actual stats. Last time I looked, his expected batting average, which is based on basically how hard he's hit the ball and what launch angle he's hit it at, uh, was 250. So you would take that from Jonathan Scope any day of the week. He's had a couple swings, uh, hit a homer here recently, and he's been the best defender in all of baseball. So, um, you know, if we were to rank, like, who's had the best at-bats over the past week of three of your struggling infield you could do the whole infield unfortunately <laughs> i i would say jonathan scope number one uh i probably say jamer number two torque three javier Baez number four and no one's calling for javier Baez to be benched because you know he's been very bad he's he's javier Baez. you know that applies with scope a little bit he's not the star but this guy's an established big leaguer he knows what he's doing this also begs the question like i've said this all year who do we have that's better maybe Cody Clemens, which you would still have to take someone else off the roster and then mm-hmm. hope that this guy hits in the major leagues, even though he's never done it before. Um, so that's that's kind of how I feel with the scope situation. When he's just on these massive slumps, like 
it gets hard to write a guy's name in the lineup middle of the order every day. We've saw an AJ we've seen AJ back away from that with Akil Badu and Eric Haas. So now that I'm talking in the circle, you know what? Maybe Scope status has bought him <laughs> um, a little more leeway. Uh, but I don't know. Like I think he's hitting the ball better, and I have to give a shout out to Jonathan Scope, who uh, was out at some establishments on Nine Mile and Woodward on the night of the rainout. Bumped into Jonathan Scope and said hello to him on the street. He was out with some Cleveland Guardians players, which I thought was interesting. Maybe a great strategic move, you know. Let's get these Guardians guys out, <laughs> stay out a little too late. Maybe we can get a series win the next day. I I feel like that's probably what he's going for. I mean, that's exactly what happened. So, <laughs> so when the margins are thin, you got to take No, every, it was the uh, Tigers. The Tigers lost 8-1 after the after the rain out. Well, it's a lo- it's a long uh it's a long con. He still won the <laughs> series. Uh, uh, Tristan McKenzie may or may not have been one of the players out. Still pitched a good game, but all right. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, if, if he was out, I would say I don't what? blame him for feeling confident uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> against the Tigers, and <laughs> and we did uh, we did we did see even though it was in a losing effort, we did see exactly why he would be confident. In, in all serious, a quick side note, like shout out to Jonathan Scope for going out, having some fun, enjoying his community. A lot of the modern ball players, I, I don't think everyone knows this. A lot of these guys just like sit in their rooms and play Call of Duty. Like that's kind of what the modern. I'm not even kidding. Like that's what the modern ball player does. And it's not even like these guys on the Tigers are too famous to go hang out or whatever. You know, um, for certain players that's certainly the case. Not really most. The vast majority of this roster. You know, the old school, like, baseball guys going out after the game. That doesn't really happen anymore. It seriously doesn't. It's 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 very different. Part of it's, like, the culture of athletics and treating your body better. And some of it's also just, like, I don't know. Dudes just go home and play video games. So, shout out Jonathan Scope. That's all I got. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's that's millennials for you. Rather just... Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm a millennial, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't play Call of Duty all night. That's true. Every now uh, and then I'll play a little and it'll be the show. But I could. I was just trying to imagine like Billy Martin, like <laughs> knowing that all of, all his team does is play video games. Or right. Whatever, you know. Right. Like going back that, to the does hotel. That, does that not speak Pong. to the character of your team? You know. Come on. <laughs> I want some guys who are out there, out and about, developing their character. You know. Somehow this is analytics' fault. That's all I know. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> all right we've really gone off the rails now isn't that an old am i starting to become a grouchy old man these ball players don't go out and drink enough <laughs> they're soft back back when men were men uh <laughs> well speaking of young ball players i i had i had this thought and he did make some highlight plays today defensively at first base spencer torkelson and i wanted to sort of gauge your opinion of his defense because uh Shout out to the legend Dan Dickerson's been hyping it up a lot, um, and he does make some really athletic plays. We saw a couple today. I went and looked though on Fielding Bible. He's minus three defensive runs saved, so and that's pretty low at first base. So I don't I don't know what I don't know what to make of uh, of him defensively. I'm gonna assume I, I'm not even kidding that those early kind of dropped foul balls, those drop pop-ups in foul territory are continuing to penalize him analytically. I don't know that for a fact, but that is my... Usually when a guy's negative, I kind of think, what plays has he glaringly missed? And I think the analytics will ping you pretty hard for those. Even Derek Hill, I think that's why he was negative. Defensive run saved. He had some balls that he dove for last year and just didn't quite catch, and that goes down in the book as... A negative depending on where it was at maybe what the average position of the average player of that position would have done i think spencer torkelson has been phenomenal at first base again i think there's a whole other art to just his strides that he is better at than most people um everything except those pop-ups behind him he has played very well i had this thought after he made this place this guy's so good at first i wonder if he could play third <laughs> hey would you try it uh, yeah, we should try. <laughs> wonder if anyone's ever thought of it. This guy's pretty athletic. Wonder if he could play third. Um, I say that tongue in cheek. I think he's been super good at first. So good, you got to leave him there. And whether it shows up in the numbers or not, I mean, just think of 
I don't think Jonathan Scope is bailing out Javi Baez and the rest of the infield on some of these throws in the dirt. Even some of the throws that have been long hops that are not bad throws, uh, not all first basemen handle well. Torque's mm-hmm. been terrific at handling them, stretching out, getting the out, like in that play Sunday. Uh, I've been very impressed. I think, yeah, I agree. I, I think Baez probably should get Torque a steak dinner or two. Yes. Uh, by season's end, I think he's going to... But Javi, Javi, Torque's bailed out Javi like at least five times. But Javi said this when we asked him about it. He was like, yeah, he saved me on some bad throws, and I know when I'm in the hole, I can, basically, I can throw it at the dirt and long hop it because I know he's going to catch it. I think you are seeing Javi do that intentionally more now because that's the level of trust he has in his first baseman. I think that's a real thing. I mean, that's awesome. That's exactly, yeah. uh, that's instilling confidence in your infield. That's definitely worth, worth something. You know, it'd be nice if you could hit a little bit better, but it is uh, it's worth something. Uh, let's, let's get to school bowl here. Uh, I, I don't want to just do the same talking point about like, oh, you know, I think he's an all-star. He looks good, blah, blah, Because <laughs> that, I mean, you know, like it gets a little repetitive. But he does deserve credit for, you know, continuing to pitch at a very high level. And uh, and I got I got, I got one and a half nickname suggestions for Scoobal. So I'm going to get out the one that's a half. I don't really like it that much, but... I did think of it, so I was like, "Hell, I'll I'll put it in there." Um, well, let me ask you this: When you envision, like, if you if the radio broadcaster says he snapped the ball in there, like as a pitcher, like what 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 kind of motion, what kind of pitch, what kind of action? I'm thinking do you think curve of? ball, I guess. Maybe now that I'm thinking of Scooble specifically, I think a little more slider, but I think snap, I think snap in a curveball. Okay. Um, again, this is not a good one, but like I said, we'll put it out there. We can workshop Snapster. Tarek Snapster Scooble. He's it rhymes with Napster. He's giving it out. He's giving out. He's giving outs for free. There you go. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, no, that, that's that. That's no the way. half one. That's the half one. See. That we workshop it here. No idea is a bad idea. Um, he, he, here's one that I actually do really like. Uh, the sitter. Guys come up and he sits them down. The sitter. You see, think of a babysitter, which is like... I mean, that's a little better. I still don't know if it's quite right, but no glaring issues there. Yeah, yeah you know, because... It's a one sense explanation, and there's the alliteration. Everybody knows. But who has a nickname like that anymore? No one in baseball is nicknamed like the sitter these days. Well, that's because ball players aren't going out drinking beers. They're going to play video games. You know what? You're right. Most there aren't really any good nicknames other than like people who it's just a shortened version of their name. At least none that are coming to mind right now. Yeah, or something like like is it really that cool of a nickname for Derek Jeter to be called the captain? It's just like uh, oh, dancing, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, you see, what I'm saying. Yeah, some people call Shohei Otani like the show, but no one actually like calls him that. It's just like yeah. it'll pop up on like Twitter every now and then. So yeah. maybe, maybe we, you're right. I think we've lost nicknames because we've lost baseball players hanging out at bars. Uh, nicknames are just a thing that also <laughs> comes with going to bars. Uh, maybe we should start referring to them by their gamer tags. I don't know what their <laughs> gamer tags are, but that must that's got to be the answer here. <laughs> I'd be curious to know. I bet, I bet a couple of them have like, you know, whatever. And be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like that could be your nickname. I guarantee you there are a couple that work. And there's probably ones that uh, they're probably not wanting out there publicly. <laughs> will I go around and ask every player for their gamer tag? No, I will not. I would feel very stupid doing that. <laughs> well... You know, you, you wrote about uh, wrote about him this week as well, and 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 it's clear that he is he has ascended to the top of the uh, the top of the young armed uh, uh, hierarchy among the Tigers, and his story is well documented at this point. I wonder how 
I wonder how many people really saw this coming. Like, cause it, it, his stuff is apparent the first time you watch him, but it still took a while for him to catch on. And, and his, like I said, his rise has been amazing to watch, but like, when did you first kind of realize this could be a thing? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you've seen them over the years. Um, I mean, I started hearing a lot of whispers after what Scoople did in 2019. That's when I first started hearing Scoople might be the best of all these pitching prospects. Heard that from some knowledgeable baseball people in Erie, um, a couple people in the scouting community. I think I read it in, probably started kind of reading or at least hearing that idea in uh, kind of other things in the baseball media world. I think after spring training 2020, when he was lights out, I like I was pretty much all the way on board and I was I don't know if I ever definitively put my step like my foot down uh, because I've always thought ranking these guys is like so subjective and it can change and it and it depends on their health long term but if I had to be honest like I always like would have leaned Scooble number one Um, so this idea was out there I talked to a scout um, very recently who, you know, was raving about Scooble, and he was like, you know, I always had Scooble number one, always thought he could be a number one, and I was like, I wasn't surprised because I had heard that before, but I was like, okay, wow, and then he said, I liked Manning a lot, and I was like, oh, how much did you like Manning? He's like, well, I mean, I thought he could be like a good number four, so that's not like the ace super high ceiling praise, mm-hmm. and then, I won't love this if you're a Tigers fan, but if Manning is two when he's number f- uh, number four, that doesn't bode very well for Mr. Casey Mize. The guy's saying if you remove Casey Mize, the one-one pick, I was never that impressed with him, and I was always worried about his arm health. Well, Casey Mize's arm health is once again in question. Um, no, you could talk to other scouts who would say Mize is the most surefire, like good big league starter, and Manning has a super high ceiling, and Scoobles pitch counts are too high. So again, the opinions have always been varying. But there are people who saw this coming, and um, I don't know that I, again, I don't know that I was ever screaming it from the mountaintops, but I always certainly had that hunch, and after last year, it was all about, can he harness his pitch count, can he throw more strikes, and he has done that to uh, a tremendous degree, which I also think is a testament to his personality, his makeup, the competitor in him. Um so it's been great, and you, you only hope Matt Manning and Casey Mize can follow suit in the near future. And as we talked about last week, Alex Fajardo too. You know, I've <laughs> mentally I've just already written off Mize and Manning for this year. Is that dumb? I of think me? a lot of people. Ha- I think a lot of people. I think I. I don't know about Manning for the year. Again, I haven't seen these guys MRIs. I don't know what they look like. I feel like we'll like see Manning again. I think. It's not fair to speculate about their injuries, but no, you're not alone, and I don't think that's crazy. The yeah, general yeah. idea of it is not insane. It's just one of those things where I, I just can't... As I'm projecting out, I'm just like, all right, whatever. We'll have to see how this works in 2023. Yeah, you know who we might You know who we might see playing the major leagues this year that I had like, forgotten about? Jake Rogers. <laughs> Jake yeah, Rogers might be back him. by the end of this year. He's kept, he caught Tyler Alexander's bullpen in Lakeland. Like he is playing baseball right now. Um, I assume a catcher probably doesn't need quite the full eighteen month rehab from John, Tommy John that a pitcher might. And I kind of asked about it, and and even AJ Hinch was like, "Yeah, there's definitely a chance." Or in fact, I think he said he will be playing. It was not quite clear if he meant like at the you know maybe they could stick him in Toledo or whatever. Uh, but I think we're going to see Jake Rogers, so that's encouraging. Well, speaking of Alexander Rogers and uh, injuries, uh, did did my eyes really see that mustache from Tyler Alexander? That was uh, looked like a, I think it was a like a media availability or something, and he was rocking a stash that would make Tom Selleck blush. Is that is that is that can can that be confirmed? This is a great question. Was this was this on the broadcast Sunday? Yeah, it was on. It was on TV. It, was, it looked like he was. So I was. I was there, and uh, assuming this is the footage of the same interview I attended, I didn't even notice it, which 
I think means that I just got so used to Tyler having such a ridiculous mustache all last season that I didn't think anything about it. <laughs> Is, uh, I was about to say, maybe him and Jake Rogers are playing too many video games together. They... <laughs> It's a lot of video game talk on this podcast. Those the, those two, I don't I don't know exactly what they do in their free time, but I pegged them a, a little higher on the list to uh, to go out in public than some guys. They'd be a little higher on that list for sure. Well, shout out to them. Yes. Uh, you, you know a guy that we haven't really talked about a lot in in this podcast uh, this season is Miguel Cabrera. We don't really. I was kind of going over. I was like, we haven't really done a a, a Miguel Cabrera note. Since, you know, he notched 3,000 hits and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I was like, I wonder how I wonder how his numbers this year compare to the age 39 season for Albert Pujols. So I have, a, I have a couple in front of me. So, Miguel Cabrera is hitting 294, 340 on base, 399 slugging. Uh, and that's 40 games he's played in this year. Um... 2019 was Albert Pujols's age 39 season. He went 244, 305 on base, 430 slugging. He also had 23 home runs, and that will be the last time he notches 20 in a season. He actually, it was a little bit of a power comeback for him, uh, which I believe that was also probably baseball related if we uh, look back on that now. But regardless, Obviously, they're comparable on, on on many levels, and I don't think Miguel Cabrera is going to get 23 home runs this year, but it's hard for me to be upset at a 300 average. Like, just to scale, to scale, to scale. Just, just you know, if you're going to have to have him in the lineup, it's, it's, a, it's a little better than I was uh, anticipating this year, to be honest. When he didn't even come into the season in the best shape of his life. So, <laughs> yeah, I think look, it's better than I expected when he gets the walk off single, and I look at the box score after the game, and I go, "Oh my gosh, Miguel Cabrera's hitting three hundred!" It's like, wow. And it's like, well, I don't know, Kieran, who's a better hitter, Miguel Cabrera or, or Harold Castro? A lot of people would say Miguel Cabrera. Well, Harold Castro has a better weighted runs created plus right now. It's one forty seven. Miguel Cabrera's is one thirteen. Harold Castro, Harold Castro has a higher slugging percentage after his recent power surge. Miguel's basically Harold Castro at this point in his career, <laughs> um, in which he hits for average, has good bat-to-ball skills, has next to no power, probably walks a little more than Harold, but Miguel's never been a huge walk guy and definitely isn't right now at this point in his career, but yet he's hitting in the middle of your order. And all in all, especially when he's only playing DH, he's a Miguel right now is worth 0.0 war on fan graphs. Um, again, his offensive production based on WRC plus uh, is slightly above league average. But like, I don't know. I think we view Miguel differently because his name's Miguel. In some ways, it's good that you can continue to write his name in the lineup and he's not just a total albatross for your team in other ways. Um, hard to build a contender when your DH has a 399 slugging percentage. You ever think you'd see a game where Harold batted third this year coming in? Uh, I would like to say not this year. I, I was going to say, I mean, with this franchise, I'm not really surprised. This year, I I hope we were past that this year. Yeah, we're not. No, we are not. Um, I did want to give a little bit of a mention to Alex Lang. Is a guy. Alex Lang's been really good, by the way. Really yes. good. Since May 11th, uh, he's pitched eight innings and he's got a 0 9 1 uh, batting average against. And he's become a real a real asset in, in that bullpen. And I would say him and Derek Hill bringing back the turtleneck. So, you know, uh, shout outs. Two guys with good fashion, both on and off the field. Two guys who I think have cool personalities. I asked Alex Lang this week. Uh, this will be in The Athletic Monday. It's like, do you ever think about what would have happened if you didn't get traded? Because 
for all the negativity around the Tigers, one of their biggest victories was moving him to the bullpen. Right when they shipped Nick Castellanos to the Cubs, for the record, I don't think they handled the Nick Castellanos situation very well. But, you know, you get Alex Lang, you get Paul Rashawn. Paul Rashawn, you've since released. He was hurt a lot. He had this Lang guy. Yeah, he was good at LSU. He had bad mechanics, bad command. No one, scouts weren't really, like, they weren't very optimistic about him. Someone with the Tigers was like, if we move this guy to relief, we think he can do something. And a test, a combination of uh, the Tigers having that vision and Alex Lang putting in a ton of work has been a huge benefit to where Alex Lang's now a go-to leverage reliever, only 26, and I think has the potential to continue getting better. Um, anyway, ask Alex Lang, like, everything where you'd be if you weren't traded, and of course he was like, he wasn't even saying in the cliche way. He said in the very serious, like, no, uh, I really try to be, I really try to live in the present moment. Not even in a cliche way, you know, that's kind of his <laughs> his mindset a little bit. Like, he's an intense dude. He has this weird mix of intensity and zen that I think is fascinating, so. No, that's cool. Uh, oh, by the way, I for, almost forgot. I have another nickname submission. Ooh. This one is for Joe Jimenez. And this is a joking one. But I'm going to refer to him as that in my head. Every time the situation comes up, we talked about it last week with uh, Soto on the mound and and Jimenez warming up in the ninth. So I'm going to refer to him in my head as Joe Justin Case Jimenez. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Did it again. Jimenez again had not pitched in, I think, four or five days. Uh, but we we did see AJ pull Soto like AJ's clearly like taking the approach of okay if Soto's bad we're gonna replace him and Joe gets a little extra work, which I think is great managing and smart, but also a sign that you don't actually trust your quote unquote closer. So that's a weird balance. To... Interesting dynamic there. Yeah, is because... this the guy you trust most with the ninth mm-hmm. inning? Not really. If you have another dude in the bullpen. But at the same time, when Soto was on and at its best, really good. And if he's bad, you, you can get him out of there. Like, it's a tough balance. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm still like, should he really be your ninth inning guy? But I like that AJ's taking the. It's either going to be good Soto or bad Soto mentality. I think that's smart. It is a it is a weird thing to like. I guess you know if you're the closer, you got to have the mentality where it's three up, three down anyway. But like if you walk a guy, the first batter, like you you essentially have four tryout pitches, <laughs> and if it doesn't go your way, uh, shout out. I won't. And look, AJ is not blind to the psychology of it. Maybe he thinks that helps Gregory. I don't know. Cause it's not like Soto's going out there not knowing that some other dude is warming up to come take his place if he doesn't throw it over the plate. If they didn't think Soto could respond well to that pressure, they probably wouldn't be doing it. So. That's true. That's true. Shout out to the Sox, by the way, for Mother's Day in the Dominican Republic. Yes, those were, yes. Those were awesome. Uh, a rather simple outing for him today as we're on Soto. I think he... Did he only throw one slider? I only remember uh, one. I'm not, uh, not like, sure. Because you can't he, get he was spotting the fastball right? well. And he just kind of... I think he had like think he had two it was like a it was like a two strike count he basically threw it five feet in front of the plate <laughs> like it was like a definition <laughs> of a waste pitch um, well that's problematic if so because his slider has not had the same feel recently in that a few weeks ago when we were talking about like has soto really elevated to another level um it was largely because his slider was so good gregory soto uh, through two sliders today, they were both balls. Uh, the rest was fastball. In fact, more more forcing fastball than the sinker, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, all in all, that's that's not good because Soto's at his best when his slider is working. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it wasn't like that was an ending. Also, although. You know, hard to fault him for the base hit given up, where it's just kind of like a weak line drive that uh, Daz can't. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. 
Although, you know, you talk about Game of Inches. Uh, that was almost a game tying inside the park. This is, there's that, and yeah, it did put a runner, you know, on base in the ninth inning. Not necessarily related to that, but if you go look at Soto's metrics, they're they're not encouraging. Um, average exit velocity against him is 92.8 miles per hour. That puts him in the bottom 2% of the league. So guys are hitting him hard. Um, his expected ERA is 5.62, when his actual ERA is 2.46. So that suggests he should be doing a lot worse than he actually is. Uh, so yeah, not pretty. A lot worse than he actually is. That's uh, that's what you want to hear about your all-star uh, closer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's that's encouraging. Um, that was uh, there were a couple moments this week that were just like the epitome of the team this year, and one of them I think we can joke about it because he seems okay. But Gary Jones getting drilled uh was another one of those like golly like was, is there anything that's capable of going right <laughs> that was an uh, it, jamer comes in to pinch hit for robbie grossman who's injured and immediately hits a line drive that hits your first base coach and i was stunned to see gary jones get up man uh older guy i thought he had like hyper extended his knee and torn it was ugly to watch his, mm-hmm. his kind of fall around for a while uh shout out for him Tough dude gets up, and as AJ Hinch later relayed, the quote came from Josh Naylor. Like he kept his toothpick in his mouth the whole time. Yes, yes, <laughs> because which is amazing. Actually, yes, I was. I've never seen that. Gary Jones without his toothpick. By the way, I was gonna say like I've been meaning to kind of shout him out a couple of times because I just love that he always has a toothpick in his mouth. Like I just, I just think that's awesome. By the way, just guessing, probably guy that. You know, wasn't playing Pac-Man in his hotel room. <laughs> I, 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 I'm feeling you're probably right. I think you're right. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's funny. So we can laugh. It was one of the we best can... things about good old Lloyd McClendon. Lloyd McClendon was not playing Pac-Man after the games. Yeah. Well, no, no, he was. He absolutely was not. And was that our sixth video game reference? That's, uh, that's, that's... yeah. We need to stop this. <laughs> I was also I was trying to come up with a suggestion box this week, Cody, and I <laughs> Pac-Man. <laughs> Do you want to actually enjoy Pac-Man, Pac-Man that much? Like, was it the same as Okay, we well, I'm sorry. We're done. We need done. we need someone to tell us how real how popular Pac-Man really was back in the day. Let's Yeah, let's... was it just something you went and did at the arcade for like 30 <laughs> minutes to an hour? Did people love pac-man so much that that was like what they would do when they got off work you know because that's why that's what obviously what people do with video games yeah i have no idea you're at cody stavenhagen on twitter i'm at kieran underscore steckley tell us inform us the pac-man <laughs> the pac-man love um there's been a lot of uh, a lot of people are calling when when the losing ha- is happening i'm trying to remember exactly all the the fire takes on twitter um since you know the week ended on such a high note the fire everybody crowd um i was wondering if you could address the scott coolbaugh aspect of it uh because obviously the tigers aren't hitting obviously run scoring is not really where it needs to be he's the hitting coach uh, there's so much love for AJ. There's so much love for Chris Fetter, all deserved. And, and Coolbaugh kind of gets, uh, gets dragged in the mud a little bit by the people that are so invested that they'd be talking about the hitting coach. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I'm not trying to say, yes, fire this guy. But I was wondering if you could kind of shed some light on if you, if you, you know, if you have anything at all about, what type of coach he is and you know how much you guys like you know respect him and you know like what you know is is he is there any we hear glowing reviews from federal all the time but we don't hear anything from about Coolbaugh. uh i don't know why that is i'm sort of if it doesn't exist then maybe that's the answer i don't know but like i'm, I'm just trying to think out loud here is there anything you could shed a light on 
I have a few thoughts on this. I'll say number one, I think it's far too easy to say, oh, fire the hitting coach. Absolutely. Um, number one, almost all these guys have their personal hitting coaches in the offseason. Um, they're big league players. If Jonathan Scope has played well throughout his career and suddenly can't hit this year, I don't think that's necessarily the hitting coach's fault. Um, I, I, I Let's see if we can get a producer on this. I believe it was 11 MLB teams changed their hitting coaches last offseason, which is a lot. Um, and I think that shows it's kind of just become an easy reaction, an easy way to change something. Oh, let's change the hitting coach. Hitting at the end of the day is a reactive sport. You can plan for it even less than you can pitching. It is very mental, but, uh, the hitting coach can't help you when you get in the box. I think the hitting coach probably realistically does have even less of an impact than the pitching coach. So I don't think Scott Kuban needs to be fired. All that said, I also can't give a rousing defense of Scott Kuban, um, and that's partially because of um, AJ's policy where assistant coaches are not available to the media. So I have never spoken a word to Scott Kuban. Uh, I acquired his phone number and sent him a congratulatory text after he was hired. He responded, said, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And that was the last interaction I had with Scott Coolbaugh. Uh, every now and then you see him walk out of the dugout. Like he doesn't even really make eye contact or, or say hi, really. Um, and you're right. You don't hear players talk about him as much. Again, I think some of that's the role we talked about for Chris Fetter. He's going to be on camera more pitchers. Naturally. I think that's just the relationship. They're like, yeah, me and Fett talked about this pregame. Uh, but it's not like you hear hitters, really raving, oh yeah, I was in the lab with Cooley, or we were doing this, or Scott told me this. I don't that that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad hitting coach. Uh, but the bottom line is we don't know a lot about him. In some ways, maybe that keeps heat off of him, because probably only the more diehard fans know who he is, know his name, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so, so in some ways that keeps heat off of him. At the same time, it's hard for me to defend him because I have no idea. I don't know about his hitting philosophies. I don't know about his teaching style. And I don't know anything about him personally. So there we go. Well, maybe I'll just kind of make that my, uh, my suggestion box because for AJ is that, I don't know, shed some light on this guy. Like, you know, when there's... I don't know, let's just say he had told Jamer something or he had told Harold something. Is like, you know, Scott had pointed out to Harold that XYZ, you don't have to get too specific. And, um, and you know, shed some light, you know, you know, shed some light on your guy. Give yeah. your guy some John, shine. You know, you Jonathan Scope made a great adjustment. Jonathan Scope has been swinging better because instead of waggling his bat, he's now, it's almost like the Jacoby, remember when that was going to change Jacoby Jones's career? He's just keeping his bat on his shoulder. So obviously that didn't last long. But great adjustment. Scope has been swinging better since he's done that. Was that Kuba's idea? I don't know. No one's ever, no one's ever said anything about that. Um, maybe I'll go ask Jonathan, but. Again, yeah, that's an easy, if that was Scott's idea, there's an easy, people are going to like Scott more, you know, if they know that he helped Jonathan scope out, but we don't know. We don't know. Do you have a uh, suggestion box this week? Ooh, suggestion box. I think the bullpen usage has been really good lately. I went, you know, one thing I, I did, is not a suggestion, just a little second guessing. Um, thought it was interesting, Jacob Barnes was the guy who threw in Saturday's game when it was still a two-run game. Like, the game wasn't out of hand. You were coming off a rain out. In theory, should have had a fresh pin. I'm going to guess AJ must have liked something about Barnes's cutter against the hitters who were coming up. Um, but I feel like you could have gone with a Joe, a Lang, a, a, a someone to kind of keep you in the game there. I just thought it was an interesting choice when, theoretically, your pin is fresh. Yeah, in terms of the suggestion box, I don't know that I have anything that's just leaping out at me, but after kind of thinking about it for a little while, we do have to address Javier Baez, who is hitting below 200. I know that it is a slippery slope to knock Javi Baez because I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen in Chicago where suddenly everyone starts piling on. 
and then he goes off and does amazing things. At the same time, we haven't seen the good. We haven't seen the boom in the boomer bust Javi Baez in quite some time. This is a pretty prolonged stretch. He's been chasing, and then more recently this weekend, he was very aggressive, and he was getting pitches over the plate, and he was rolling over and popping out. He's just not having quality swings. Um, again, I don't know that you can really bench Javier Baez, but might have to think about moving him down in the batting order. Number one, because you can't have your number three hitter doing nothing for you and not even really producing quality at bats. And is there any way to kind of send, in a way, send a message, in a way, maybe take a little bit of pressure off and make him feel like he doesn't have to carry the whole lineup, hit a six-run bomb, whatever. I think uh, booting Javi down into, you know, at least the five or six spot might be a productive idea because he's really going through it at the plate right now and it's been going on a little too long you, you got to think this thing's going to turn pretty quickly with a guy like Baez but it's been brutal you know some when he swings and misses I think man this is like it's so bad that I'm like how does this guy ever connect you know because it's it's so like like it, it's so well, I, told, I think I said this after they signed him like there's a YouTube compilation of like his worst swings and it's hilarious and it's also <laughs> like how many players could you find just like a hundred clips of you know awful whiffs again that's part of the charm of bias when I see him swing and miss I think how's this guy still have obliques <laughs> like he swings so hard I'm just like I don't know how that just doesn't kill his his sides you know his core muscles God forbid, makes me think maybe that will when he gets a couple years older. But uh, yeah, it's a spectacle. The Javi buys whiff is a spectacle. Are managers is this? Are you? Are, are managers allowed to do this now? Like, are you? Are, could he like fine Baez like you know just some you know insignificant amount of money? It'd be more for the show for like if you don't have at least one at bat with three pitches in a game. <laughs> then I'm gonna I'm gonna dock you a hundred dollars or something like that. Is are are you allowed to yeah. do that? I don't I don't hear much of that. I feel like that probably doesn't fly in the modern game. Uh, kangaroo court is still a thing though. So again, we're talking about who are actually the leaders on this team. I'm not real sure. Whoever it is, maybe should start finding Javi Baez in kangaroo court. Yeah, because uh, what was it on Saturday? It was like. Was it six pitches and four at-bats? He saw six pitches and four at-bats. And again, I put that out on Twitter, and then I responded to my own tweet because I didn't... He actually swung at good pitches, which is not what he normally does. Which it, which maybe tells you something about pitchers are so unafraid of him right now, they're like, we'll just put it over the plate. I don't know. Um, actually didn't swing at terrible pitches and still did nothing with them. And then... Again, maybe if you're really slumping, maybe you should at least one of your at-bats see more pitches. I don't know. Anything else you wanted to get into before we get on with our Memorial Day celebrations? No, I think I have rambled on about the Tigers enough. I think this series against the Twins coming up, I think you want to see this ball club take three out of five. I think you have five games. I think you want to see them take three out of five from the Twins. I think that'd do a lot for everyone's spirits i don't know if they can do it the twins are really hot right now uh but i think it's a nice little divisional test you're gonna have to beat the twins at some point this year you're just gonna you know well i mean there's a little bit of a it. not like a hurdle cleared but like you know winning a series against the indians is not something that's uh accustomed Who, to oh whoa oh, whoa, I'm sorry. whoa my apologies whoa. the guardians I, i'm sorry my my <laughs> sincerest apologies uh to the cleveland baseball club uh but like not really a great track record against the Guardians uh you know the last couple of years no. so that's something and you know either way whatever you do against the Twins good thing you know meeting you on the other side of that series is the Yankees so awesome sauce <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great uh pretty brutal schedule right now too a lot of games are again the schedule's always brutal no the Schedule's actually brutal from, like, here to the end of July for the Tigers in terms of both comp tough competition and not many days off. Uh, so, yeah, nice little trip to New York. You got an 11 a.m. Yeah. Uh, Peacock game on Sunday. No, I'm not going to like that. I, I think I'm going to New York. And, 
you know, will I maybe be a little hungover for that one potentially? Maybe. Yeah, it was really weird to see that because obviously I'm Central Time. It was really weird to see that on the uh, on the schedule. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, is that 10 a.m. Central? It's oh, like, it's like 10:45 or 10, whatever the. Who's watching it, that? It's so man. weird. Who's watching that. Uh, shout out to the various television deals that uh, Rob Manfred was able to get this off season, I guess. All right, well, that was fun. Uh, this might be the last time. Uh, we do a podcast right after a Sunday win and, you know, kind of shakes the mood a little bit. As we just said, the uh, schedule does get significantly tougher, but uh, hope everybody has a happy memorial. I think it is probably the last time we will reference Pac-Man and Pong in a podcast. That I wouldn't put anything past us, but yes, you are probably right. We are capable of a lot. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you feel so inclined, uh, Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review Apple and Spotify. Uh, you can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Reminder, tell us how popular Pac-Man was uh, on the Twitter sphere, and uh, that will help that'll help us gain a little education from this podcast. So uh, hope everybody has a happy Memorial Day, happy, safe Memorial Day, and we will talk to you all next week. Have a great week. Bye.